You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. is a friend of God. He was called, why? Because he obeyed God. He obeyed God. He is a friend of God. Many of us want to be friends with God, but sadly, many of us also want to be friends with the world. We want to have God in our life, but you know, the world's okay. It should be in our lives too. We should have both. Yes, two, two and one. We should have that. We should have that. James, And John both say this is a very dangerous place to be. In today's message, Pastor Dave will share with you about what it means to have friendship with God. As Christians, we can have personal relationships with God. We can know Him through the Bible and by speaking and listening to Him in prayer. This is how friendships are made, by honoring and loving one another. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 15 as he continues his message. What a friend we have in Jesus. The love that Paul wants you to know about in 1 Corinthians 13. That love. That's the kind of love Jesus is talking about. It's a love that says you will lay down your life for that person. Look at verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus is saying that I don't care what your theology is. I don't care what your theology is or how you have, or and I don't care how wise you think you might be. If you do not love me, Jesus says, and the person sitting beside you, nothing else matters. That's what Jesus is saying here. That's how important love is for one and other. So important that John, again, writes in his first epistle almost the same words that Jesus is using here. If we go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, let me read you what the, the apostle writes. By this we know love, because he, Christ, laid down his life for us, And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Our lives for the brethren. Christ laid down his life for us. He freely gave up his life for us. We ought to have such love for each other, for the body of Christ, that we too would lay down our lives for one another. Paul says in Ephesians 5, Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And God help us that we would do this and that we would love each other this way. Jesus is saying to his disciples and he's saying to you today, that's the kind of love I have for you. That I'm going to lay down my life for you. I'm going to prove my love for you by going to a cross. I'm going to show you my love and demonstrate that love. And then he says, as I have loved you, Love each other. Love each other with the same 
love with the same thing. Self-sacrificing love. Giving love. Laying down your life for one another. Now, the chances of us actually laying down our lives for each other is slim. But it seems to be even more prevalent in this day and age, unfortunately. But it seems to be slim. But let me give you an example. Let me give you an example of what this looks like and what it means. Some of you heard this story and know this story. Dear friend of mine by the name of Bob, accepted the Lord. Accepted the Lord. He was very hesitant to accept the Lord, but he did. And he started to grow as a Christian. But unfortunately, in his lungs, he had methosophilioma, whatever you call it. He had that horrible thing in his lungs that were deteriorating. And he was fading fast. He'd been the doctor after doctor after doctor. And they decided they were going to put him on the transplant list. He qualified for the transplant, went on the transplant list, ended up in Chicago at a major hospital there because he was dying. And they were trying to treat him there as his lungs continued to fail. Praise God. A match was found, and Bob's name was at the top of the list. Bob was going to get these lungs. He was going to have a new chance for life. He was in his 60s, and he was going to have a new chance for life. He was on the top of the list. The doctors told him that if he didn't get these lungs, he would die in a matter of days. However, a couple rooms down, there was a young boy, a young boy who also was on the transplant list, who also was a match for these lungs that had come in, was also dying, but because Bob was on the top of the list, Bob had first choice. Bob turned those lungs down and gave them to the young boy several doors down. And four days later, Bob went to be with the Lord. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. Now, that's a harsh reality of what it looks like. That is a stark reality of what it looks like. Like I said, many of us will never be in that situation. However, we might be in the situation to love one another by laying down our pride, dying to self, giving up ourselves and spending time with one another, giving up of our time, our precious time that we value so much, that's laying down our lives, that's giving to somebody. Didn't, didn't the Apostle Paul said, look out for your own interests, but also look out for the interest of others? Being others-centered, putting others first instead of yourself, not forsaking your own interests, but making sure others have more interest. That's what it looks like. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Laying down our lives. Giving up your life for someone else. Giving up your pride. Giving up your sense. Giving up your spot. Giving up your place. Whatever it may be. Some of us have a hard time giving up a parking space. Let alone giving up our life. But that's what Jesus is talking about here. He is talking about sacrifice. 
sacrifice. He's going to a cross. He is going to sacrifice for you, for me, for the world. He is going to do that. But he says, you do that. Greater love hath no man. Greater love hath no one than to lay down his life for his friends. So our friendship with Jesus begins with love. It begins with love. It might be the cornerstone of our friendship with Jesus. Love for him. Love for each other. But the friendship is also built upon obedience. Look at verse 14. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. So we're his friends, but there's a condition here. To be his friends, there must be love, but there also must be obedience. It's just one commandment. Love others as yourself. Love others. Put others first. It's just one commandment. But man, it might be the hardest commandment of all. It might be the hardest commandment of all. This is love. This is the fruit God wants from you. This is the fruit. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Christian love is not a feeling. Yes, it's more than a feeling. I was told that Boston sang that. I had to say that. Christian love is not just a feeling. What is Christian love? It's a choice. It's an act. You're right. It's an act of my will. An act of my will. It's a choice. But if you try to manufacture it, if you try to manufacture this love, you'll find that it is totally impossible for you to manufacture it. It can't be done. One thing people know is what's fake. They can spot it in a heartbeat. This love, this agape love, comes only from what? Abiding in Christ. There's a reason why all that came before this, folks. Abiding in Christ. He lives in me. His word lives in me. And I am washed and cleansed by his word. And then my life begins to produce fruit. What does the fruit look like? I begin loving people. I love those who are around me. I even love the unlovable, which, by the way, none of you are. None of you are unlovable. I can be unlovable at times, but none of you are unlovable at all. You guys are easy to love. But God poured forth his love upon me. He pours forth his love upon me, and then I take that love, and it wells in me up, and he abides in me, and then I love others. I'm loving others the way he loved me. And I'm sacrificial love. I'm giving of myself, giving of my time. Yes, giving of my money sometimes. Whatever it takes, I'm giving what I need to give sacrificially to demonstrate God's love for you. Yes, it's what we thank him for. But it's a struggle. It's a struggle because my flesh doesn't want to do it. My flesh doesn't want to love the unlovable. But my flesh loves it when you love me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But as Jesus' love flows through me into my life from others, it becomes a sign to other people that I am one of his children, that I am his friend, that I am his friend. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. How did Jesus love us? Sacrificially. He loved us. So our friendship with Jesus involves love. It involves obedience but it also involves knowledge. Look at verse 15. 
No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. Jesus fills us in on his plans. I like that. If we're his friends and we love him and we're obedient to him, we're his friends. So he fills us in on our in his plans. How does he fill us in? Through the word of God. Through the word of God. We have all knowledge of him in the word of God. We know that he's coming again. We know that he's coming back for his church. And he's going to come and take us to be with him. That's scriptural. So we know that. We know what he's doing. He doesn't keep it secret. It's not some esoteric thing that only I know. No, he wants everybody to know that he's coming back. And may I add, soon, very soon. He's definitely our master. He's definitely our Lord. He's definitely our savior. But he doesn't treat us as servants. He doesn't treat us as lowly servants. He treats us as friends if we do what he commands to do. And what's interesting, there is a friend of God mentioned in the scripture. Shh, does anybody know who it is? Yes, Abraham. Genesis 18, verse 19. Abraham is a friend of God. He was called, why? Because he obeyed God. He obeyed God. He is a friend of God. Many of us want to be friends with God, but sadly, many of us also want to be friends with the world. We want to have God in our life, but you know, the world's okay. It should be in our lives too. We should have both. Yes, two, two and one. We should have that. We should have that. James and John both say this is a very dangerous place to be. Both of them wrote about our relationship to the world. Let's look at the James scripture first. Listen to what James says in chapter 4, verse 4. Listen to what James says. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Whoa. Whew. Some harsh words there. John doesn't miss a beat with his in 1 John 2. He says this in verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world's passing away, but the lust of it, but he, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. There's that word abide again, abides forever. These are strong statement. The word enmity gives the connotation of a hostility, a struggle, a war. You're at enmity with God. You love the world? Go ahead. You are at enmity with God. That's not a very good place to be. John says, if any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 6. He said, no man can serve two masters. You either hold on to one or despise the other or love the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God or mammon. Now, he said, you cannot, not you should not, you cannot. Mammon is the world materialistic things. It's money. It's all that money can buy, all those things. But you know, we're in a very, very bad age today. Satan is attacking us in these areas in greater and greater degree. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 
Evil days shall wax worse and worse because the iniquity on earth will abound. The love of many will wax cold. The iniquity of earth is abounding as it was in the days of Noah. So it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. What was happening in the days of Noah? Marriage, given in marriage, celebrating, wickedness, all sorts of crazy things. Until when? Until the verse drop fell and Noah went into the ark. Jesus says, look at those days. They will tell you my soon coming. <laughs> Pick up a newspaper. Read to see what's happening today in our world today. Do you know we live in an opportunity? We live in a world today. We live in a world today that the opportunity for fulfilling my fleshly desires is simply one click away. I don't have to go out. I don't have to leave my room. I can sit right there in my room on my phone or on my computer and just go click. And I can fulfill the lustly desire. And you have to be careful about what websites you go to. When I first got my computer, I had dial-up. That's how old I am. No, I had dial-up. And I can't remember, I, I was so excited to get my computer. I was so happy to get this new computer. And the first thing I did was I went on a search engine and I typed in Jesus. I wanted to say, and all these websites came up. And don't you know the very first one I clicked up were naked women? Under the name of Jesus. So slick. They're so sly. They're, it's so filthy. As in the days of Noah, we have magazines, billboards, movies, no whole bars, anything goes. These things are designed to inflame our passions, to get us thinking in ways of the lust of the eye, lust of the flesh. They're all working together. This fulfillment that we want, it confines God what is established. If any man loved the world, the world system, the love of the Father is not in you. There's a great inconsistency today. Many Christians are taking and abusing their Christian liberty. They're taking their liberty and they're moving it into license. They're moving into license. You cannot join God with the world. You cannot do that. In fact, how many times did he tell the, the Israelites and even in the New Testament, come out from among them and be separate. Come out from among them and be separate. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. These are strong words. What does that tell me? It tells me we need to examine our hearts. It means that we need to be, look at our hearts to see, am I attracted to more things of the world or am I attracted to more things of God? Am I trying to combine the two? Am I walking the fence? Am I moving in different directions? Do I love to have the love of the world in my heart or do I have the love of the Father? All those things should lead me to something. Abraham was a friend of God, but his nephew Lot was not, even though he was saved, according to 2 Peter 2.7. Lot is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Abraham said to Lot, Lot, choose which land you want. Choose the land. You know, we're getting too close together. I need some spreading room. You know, it was like the old three shoes. Spread out. I need some room. What did Lot do? Lot cast his eyes towards Sodom. First thing he did. Next thing, what did he do? He pitched his tent towards Sodom. The next thing you see, where is he? Living in Sodom. Then what happens? He becomes a man of authority. He becomes an elder or something because he's sitting at the gate of Sodom, which is a, is a place of authority, a place of power. Do you see the progression here? 
There's a progression here. He loved the things of the world and not the things of God. And next thing you know, he's involved in there. You know what happened. God comes along, and because Abraham was his friend, God tells him, I'm going down, I'm going to take care of Sodom and Gomorrah too. I've had it. And what did Abraham do? Abraham, Abraham bargained with him. <laughs> that is barter time, you know? They had this great bartering thing. It was beautiful. But the greatest privilege that we have, the greatest, one of the greatest privileges we have is having the Lord as a friend. We, we can learn him better. We know him better. He lets us in on his secrets. But Oswald Chambers said this, each of us is as close to God as we choose to be. As we choose to be. If you only want so much of God, then that's all you'll get. When Jesus was on that cross, he didn't hold anything back for you. He held absolutely nothing back for you. Just remember that. We are his friends, and we need to be near the throne. We need to be in the inner circle. We need to be listening to his word. We need to be joining in intimacy with him, abiding in him, and obeying his commandments. He looks us on friends, and this to me is amazing. He considers you a friend. He considers me a friend. I think of all the times I have failed him. All the times I have failed my Savior. But he calls me a friend. He thinks of me that way. All the times I didn't serve him correctly. All the times I didn't witness his love effectively. But he still calls me friends. This means he does not have to love me. He chooses to love me. He chooses to love me. He chooses to love you too. Jesus loves like no one else can. Wouldn't we sing that? Nobody loves me like Jesus. Nobody can love me like he loved me. He loved me before the foundations of the world. He loved me while I was yet sinner. And he died on a cross for me. He gave his life for me. He hung on that cross. And when he was hanging there, he had me on his mind. He had you on his mind. He had the world on his mind. No longer do I call you servants, but friends. And as his friends, he tells me what he's doing and I read his word and I'm delighted with the things that are yet to come. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping in a rapture when I will be taken up and meet him in the air. I'm hoping in that. And therein is my hope. We'll conclude with this. Jesus declares this new relationship with us. He tells the disciples that you are no longer servants. And the word he uses for servants is our famous word, doulos, which basically means bond slave. He tells them, you're not a bond slave, but you're my friend. You're not a bond slave. But you know what's interesting? What's really interesting? None of the writers of the New Testament would call themselves Jesus' friend. However, every one of them called, him, called themselves what? A bond slave for Jesus Christ. Every one of them, out of love, out of respect, out of awareness, out of a consciousness that is only discovered when I totally submit to him, when I totally abide in him, when I totally love him, and when I am obedient to him, serving him. Friendship with Jesus is based on love, obedience, and knowledge. Does this describe your relationship with Jesus? Does this describe your relationship? You are a sure 
The book of John covers Jesus' life and ministry here on earth, but the book begins long before Jesus was born in a manger. He existed with God the Father from the start. So many other religions have some figure they look to or commemorate, but none of those mere men accomplished what Jesus did. Jesus came as a man and died, but then he came back to life because he's God. No other man can claim that remarkable feat. Only God could do this, and therefore, the only true one to follow is Jesus. What might be holding you back today in believing all that God says he is and does? If you have some questions you'd like answered, we'd be happy to try and answer these questions or pray with you about what's weighing on your heart. Please don't hesitate to call us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609 609- 884-5821. Keep looking to scripture for answers and know that we care about the journey you're on. We're so glad you tuned in to A Sure Hope today. You can hear more messages like this one from Pastor Dave at our website. Just click on the messages tab when you visit assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to meet you too. Find out how you can join us for worship at Calvary Chapel Cape May by visiting assurehoperadio.com. You'll also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Links for both are at assurehoperadio.com. There's more to learn from the book of John next time, so be sure to join us again on another edition of A Sure Hope.